Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, welcome to the Do Business Better podcast where we celebrate the self-made and we give you tools, tips, insights, and information on how you can become a self-made success story yourself. Got a great guest today. He's a friend of mine. He's a Dodgers fan. He's a Los Angeles resident. He's a cigar smoker, which is one of the things I really like about him because we get together and have a cigar after a big day's work. His name is Joel Block. Joel is a smart dude. He's a money business insider, a longtime venture capitalist and hedge fund manager. And if you don't know what that means, he's a professional investor. He lives in a shark tank style world, just like they have on TV. He sold his publishing company to a Fortune 500 organization, so now he does keynoting speeches, he does uh, conferences, he puts on seminars, he writes books. Uh, he's also still investing money. He's going to give you business strategies and the inside track for money, success, for, so that you can uh, create the life and business of your choice. Joel Block, welcome to the show. Hey, Damien. Thanks uh, very much for having me. I very much appreciate being here. Okay. Uh, what do people need to know? I mean, the person listening to the Do Business Better podcast is absolutely a, a smart, hardworking person, and they want to do better. They're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, business owner, wannabe business owner, uh, business person. What are they doing wrong? What are they doing right? What do they need to know? First of all, I want, to, I want to say that I'm a longtime entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. I've been involved in deal after deal after deal. I love this business. I, I love the people in this business. I, I, I love the opportunity that provides every single uh, one of us. It just the the opportunities limited lists, and and it just is it just is a great thing about our American culture uh, that we can create companies. And but the one thing I think is always a shortcoming for most entrepreneurial people is that they just don't understand the money. They just don't understand the way the money works uh, properly. Uh, they just really are missing that component. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that they don't know that they don't know. And when that situation occurs, you find yourself making mistakes, leaving opportunities on the table. And, and that's one of the things I'd sure like to help people understand better. And you do a, a, an amazing job of helping people understand it. And most folks come to guys like you or me and they say, hey, you've got your own business. Hey, you've made it your own way out here. I want to be like you. I want to be self-employed. I want to have my own business. I've got this idea. And I always begin by saying, your idea is fantastic. Or maybe your idea is not fantastic. You know, the truth is, I'm not even going to judge your idea right now. I want to talk to you about money. Can you go for a year without making any? And then these folks always say to people like you or me, say, no, 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 didn't you hear about my idea? I said, your idea is amazing. Or maybe it isn't. It's completely irrelevant right now. Let's talk about you and money. Can you go for a year without making any? And during that time frame, those 12 to 18 months, can you not only not make any money, can you take every nickel you have, every ability to borrow more nickels and put your ass on the line at risk during that 12 to 18 months? And that's where folks say, no, but didn't you hear about my idea? Again, it is about the money. You agree? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I will tell you, though, that uh, it's a rare person in our economy that has the money to go for uh, 12 to 18 months. And most, you know, most of the time uh, when people are trying to raise money for a new business or something else, uh, a big part of the uh, capital raise is so they can have a salary. There's nothing wrong with taking a small salary uh, but it's got to be very small. I mean, you know, if somebody like me is going to put money into your deal, 
Uh, it needs to be a very small, very modest salary. Uh, if you're thinking you're going to get fat on my investment, forget about it. If, if we all get fat together at the end, that's awesome, but not up front. So if you need some money, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, be better. You'll have a lot more uh, control if you don't have to take capital to you know give yourself a salary. But if you have to take it, it's not too bad. Just make sure that it's modest. Okay. I, I agree with that. And yeah, most people don't have enough money to go 12 to 18 months. But here's the reason you asked that question isn't because I want to get in their bonnet about how much money they have in savings. It's about how they can, how, how willing they are to sacrifice scrimp, scrape to get by in the short term. Because when you're running your own business, there's going to be bad days. One of the things people don't understand is that, uh, you know, you decide to go into a, a business uh, yourself. What people understand is that, you know, there's an impact on your family, on your spouse, on your children, uh, you know, because they're all going to have to sacrifice. You're not doing this by yourself. And, and if something goes wrong, they're all in the bucket with you. So you really have to make sure you got buy-in from everybody. It's, it, there's a psychological component. There's an emotional component. There's a financial component. There's a lot of pieces to it. And, and you really have to make sure you have your ducks in a row before you jump in. Because this is, this is the most rewarding, extraordinary business that there is, but it also can be a roller coaster. It can be tough on people. It can be very tough on people. You know, I was 25 and single when I ventured out on my own and I figured if this doesn't work, I can work bartending uh, a few days a week, nights a week to at least make this thing float. I didn't have children or a wife and people say, well, it's easy for you. You didn't have a children or a wife or whatever. But like, well, there's a lot of folks that are making excuses. They're 45 years old. They hate what they do. And then they're going to say, well, I have a wife and kids, which is why I can't quit my job and start my own business. You're like, is that really the reason? What if I took the wife and kids away from you and gave you $100,000 for the next 18 months? Would you then? And of course, you'll never know. That's yeah, awesome. listen, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but it is real. It is real. You can't dismiss that it's not real. When I was uh, 25, I was at Price Waterhouse. I was an accountant. I hated it. I was terrible at it. If I didn't quit, I'd been fired for sure. And so I, I decided to leave the firm. I was making 20 grand a year and I knew I could go sell shoes at Nordstrom for 20 grand a year and I'd be right. even. Right Now, you know, with overhead, family, uh, house, cars, you know, all the stuff that everybody has. You can't sell shoes at Nordstrom and quite get to where you are right now. That, well, that's the point is that most people, when you're 40 years old and you have all this overhead, it makes it much more difficult to make the leap. So if you're going to do it a little earlier is better. That doesn't mean don't start if you're later, but it just probably takes more planning, takes more buy-in from other people. Uh, there's something to that. So yeah, I, listen, it may be an excuse, but there's something to it. Joel, you said from the beginning, you said the biggest shortcoming, if you will, of entrepreneurs, business owners, business people, want to be business people, is they don't understand the money. So tell me about that. Okay, we talked about going without it. What do they need to know about money? Because you're a money guy. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you know, let me, let me explain something very simple first. Uh, money is invisible and you can't tell who owns the money. So this is a very big problem all the way around. I mean, Damien, if I gave you, uh, let's just say uh, you took a hundred dollar bill out of your pocket and you go to the bank and you open a bank account, what's the bank statement going to say is in that bank account? So, so yes, it's not a trick question. What, what's the, What's the bank statement going to say? They're going to say exactly what you just said. I just gave you $100. What's it going to say? It's going to say $100. Okay. So you took the money out of your pocket, put it in the bank, $100. Now, let's open a brand new bank account 
And this time instead, I loan you $100 and you take that $100 bill and you go put that in the bank. What's the bank statement going to say? That you have a negative $100. No, it's not. The bank statement's going to still say oh, that you have $100. have $100 in there. Okay. So whether you loan the money or whether it's your money, both bank statements are going to say it's $100. One money's not even yours. One is. So you can't tell which one's which. So when somebody's standing in front of a Rolls Royce waving, smiling, telling you how rich and successful they are, you don't even know if they own that car. They're in front of a fancy house. You don't know if they own that house. You don't know anything. We and money, probably, that's why. We probably need to put an asterisk next to this uh, little segment here. I was writing down notes of what you had just told me and what questions I had to go from there when you posed that question. And so I didn't begin with the $100 because I thought, wait a minute, what, what was the monetary value Joel just asked me in this hypothetical? So dear <laughs> listener, if you think that I'm too dumb to understand what that question was, it's because I didn't hear the beginning number. <laughs> yeah, listen, probably wasn't paying attention. No. But, but, but that's the thing about money. Money is very confusing because you can't really tell who owns what. So two different transactions, totally opposite, and they both look the same on paper. So you can't tell. So you got to have a little bit of background, a little bit of training. Here's another really big thing that happened. Oh, uh, wait, before we get to the other big thing, you then okay. said the guy with the guy and the gal with the Rolls Royce. They look like high rollers. This has been going on since the dawn of time. You know, you read books about great scams. Uh, there was a guy that apparently was a con artist above all con artists who hired his partner, uh, would drive him around like a chauffeur. He'd pull into these places where money existed, called it the country club. Uh, and he would look like this mysterious guy. This is an example in the book, The 48 Laws of Power. And then eventually he was just being so odd that by the third day of this, you know, hanging out at the Ritz, some person would approach him and say, who are you? And next thing you know, he'd just bamboozle the hell out of them and take their money. And it's all just folks falling for the shell game of believing status or status symbols equal financial worth. And you, of course, know that that's not the case. Well, that's, and so, you know, what, what listeners need to understand is that money is very deceptive and you can't believe what you see. I mean, listen, I've taught my kids since they were little, you know, to believe half of what you see and none of what you hear because most, most everything that you see and hear is just not right. And you got to really think carefully and that's something that people just aren't used to. So you got to be very, very careful uh, to make sure you do that. Got it. So money is, is, is deceptive and you got to look beyond the money. What else do we need to know about money? I'm a small business. You know, one of the things here. that I would tell you is that uh, people usually, most people look to the left when the money's on the right. So what that really means is that they're jumping over hundred dollar bills to pick up nickels and dimes. And, and that has to do with the fact that uh, people, uh, you know, they don't have the patience to wait. They don't have the ability to take risk. They, they just don't have the self-control to wait and to kind of control themselves and the whole thing. So uh, unfortunately, very, very often, people will be very short-sighted in their decision-making and they'll move on things that just are silly in the, uh, in the long run, but they just satisfy some need in the short run. And by the way, it goes back to your, your money and savings account thing. If you don't have a lot of money or a lot of savings or any savings, it makes it pretty hard to be a tough negotiator. I mean, there are, there are some people that have a poker face and they have an iron stomach, but you know, for the most part, it makes it very tough. In your book, Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business, which, dear listener, I do recommend. It's 101 Tricks of the Trade to Help Entrepreneurs and Self-Employed People Build a Money-Making Machine. It's a good book. You can find it, at, presumably, at joelblock.com or bullseyecapital.com, right? Yep. 
bullseyecapital.com. So Joel, I, I read his book. I like it. It's, a, it's got a hundred and some tips on, on building your business. He's got one in there specifically about that very topic. Uh, he's got a lot of points in here about money. And he's also got one here about be a street fighter. Your opening chapter, be a street fighter. And this is for folks that want to have their own business. Tell them what being a street fighter means to you. Well, I mean, listen, you have to, uh, you know, you have to defend yourself. You have to go get what you want. You can't, uh, nobody's going to bring a wheelbarrow full of money over to your house and say, here, this is for you. If you want it, you're going to have to go get it. And you're going to have to go make happen what needs to happen. And so uh, you're just going to have to think differently than you think as an employee. Yeah, there's no question because, you know, when people say, well, I was working weekends, you know, for that company and they weren't giving me any time. Like I work a lot of weekends. I, I work sometimes I work four hours a day, sometimes I work 14 hours a day. You can't believe that you're going to have some regular schedule when you run your own enterprise. It's not it's not only, you know, it goes beyond the schedule. It's really uh, nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you anything. I have a t-shirt. If you look at my Facebook profile that says nobody owes you anything, I printed it up. I give them out as graduation gifts to kids that are graduating from high school and college. Well, that's an important lesson because the truth is if you work for a company, uh, they owe you a lunch break. They owe you, uh, you know, a bathroom break during the day, you know, whatever. If you work overtime, they owe you some extra money. You could work for 42 hours in a row as an entrepreneur and there's no one going to pay you anything. <laughs> by the way we're not trying to scare folks away from entrepreneurialism we're trying to tell them some of the realities now well but let's but let's be, but, but wait a second at the corporation if you land a multi-million dollar deal you're going to get the same salary you always got but if you're self-employed and you land a giant deal guess who gets to keep the money you and your family you and it was so, it was explained there, to you and me there a lot are some negatives there's some negatives a little scary but there's also this incredible upside that doesn't exist anywhere else and especially for people uh, maybe people that are uh, people of color, people who are otherwise disadvantaged, they don't have uh, the same education as some other people. This is their ticket out of the, uh, the problem that they're in because the only color that matters in the entrepreneur business is green. That's the only color. If you can solve somebody's problem, they're going to give you some money. And I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you're from. I don't care who your family is or what you believe in. If you can solve somebody's problem and make them better off, they're going to give you some money for that. And that's the way life works. You're a money guy. You're all about money. And you said something very valuable. You said uh, uh, dropping dollars to pick up dimes, as we used to call it, you know, tripping yeah. over hundred dollar bills to save a nickel. Uh, my family was bad about that. They were blue collar people. They were not business minded people. We had the farm. We worked in some cases, it worked until my, my back is in terrible shape today, much because of that. It would have been smarter to have worked smarter, but we had that problem. Sometimes you drop dollars uh, to pick up dimes because you don't have a big world vision. Is that the problem or what is it? Why yeah. Is it, is it? You know, listen, there's a lot of reasons. One is that, uh, that you don't have the foresight to imagine what's possible. Uh, maybe you're risk averse. You know, you don't want to take chances. Uh, maybe you don't have the capital. Like, it, wouldn't it be better to buy a tractor and three years from now, uh, you know, we'll break even or we'll, and in the fifth year we'll make money or fourth year we'll make money. But uh, maybe we're not going to, uh, uh, you know, instead we'll just pay laborers to do it every, and you never get ahead. You never own anything. I so, never remember being a lot of paid. You said labor. Yes, I got, but I don't remember being paid. So yes, I was, the, <laughs> I was on the end of the shovel rather than uh, increasing our equipment. That's because you were part of the family. Right. So what's the other reason? What's the other money thing that people can do to get things right? So our listeners right now are saying, okay, I hear you say that I got to be right with money. What can they do? Well, you know, listen, I, I would, I would say also that um, when you're selling, one of the things that you have to do is you have to draw a line to the money. 
And that means you have to show the customer, whoever the buyer is, in monetary terms, how much better off they're going to be as a result of whatever it is that you're doing with them. So take, for example, let's say you're going to sell them a tractor and it, it has special equipment or whatever the situation is. You know, you have to be able to say to them that by paying this many dollars, this is how much better off you're going to be than you would have been before. And, you know, that's really important. And that's, I call that drawing a line to the money that if you can't get somebody to see in monetary terms, you're going to get a hundred and they're going to get a thousand and you say, listen, give me a hundred and you're going to get a thousand. I mean, who wouldn't do that deal all day long? But if you don't put it in monetary terms, it makes it very difficult for somebody to say yes. So the lesson for the listener right now is as quickly as possible, whatever your service is, if you are a roofing contractor or you own a sandwich shop is show the customer the line between their benefit monetarily and for what they're spending money on. To the extent that you can, that's really important. I'll tell you another one. This is, and this is a really important mindset. Most, uh, most of us work with other businesses. Many of us work with businesses. It's really important to remember that businesses do not have problems. Businesses don't have problems. That may sound foreign. Of course they have problems. They don't have problems. They have expenses. That's all they have. So when an issue comes up, a business throws some money at it, issue goes away. That's how simple it is. Now, people have problems, death, divorce, uh, you know, illness, uh, different situations that money can't cure. But businesses do not have those situations. If there's a lawsuit, you throw some money at it, lawsuit settles. If, an, if there's an employee that uh, causes problems, throw some money at that issue, issue goes away. And that's really important for us to remember. So our job is to solve the problems that businesses have because they just look at them as expenses. And if there's a lawsuit and it's a $700,000 lawsuit and the attorney says it's going to cost 70 grand, you know what? I'm going to give you the 70 and save the rest of the money all the way to the 700. So they draw a line to the money because the attorney understands that they're going to, it's going to cost them less to deal with the problem this way than going to term uh, in some other way. And we so, always have to think about that. Joel, I, I agree with you. While you're talking and giving some lessons for our small business audience, in your book, uh, Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business, you have a brilliant point about selling. And you say, show the client, the prospect, the customer, the other side of the river. Sell the yeah. other side of the river. So we're talking about money. If you want to be in business for yourself, you've got to make your customers see the direct line between what they're paying you and the benefit financially to them, right? Yep. 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 Tell me about tell me about selling the other side of the river. Listen, if you're if you're selling sandwiches, it, it's hard to do that. But if you're selling the sandwich franchise, then what you're gonna say is listen, can you imagine yourself, you know, owning one, two or three or four stores and uh, how your life's going to be, you're describing the other side of the river. And then they have to lay down the stepping stones to get to the other side of the river. And that's the business plan and all the things that it takes to get there. So on the one hand, partly you're drawing a line to the money. The other thing is you're, you're showing them what the other side of the river looks like. And they want to get to the other side of the river because that's what they want. Everybody wants to get to the other side of their river. So when you sell the other side of the river to potential clients, and, and that's what our business owner listeners are saying right now, say, okay, how do, how do they do that? Uh, you know, well, they're doing everything else because everybody's got their own little thing. They're, they're experts at putting on roofs and all that. How do they do that in as succinct uh, as possible of a manner? Because you say, always begin with specific and then take it to the general. Well, uh, that, that's, that's a little bit of a different concept. But, but here's the thing is that if I said to you, uh, Damien, 
uh, would you list every restaurant in your neighborhood? You, you couldn't possibly do it. But if I said, uh, list all the Chinese restaurants within a mile of your house, oh, you could probably do that in a second. I said, well, what about the Italian ones? And what about the Mexican ones? And, and on and on. And next thing you know, you, you've got a pretty long list of restaurants. But if I don't give you any direction, uh, then it's going to be very confusing. So you want to start uh, very specific and you want to branch upward and become more general over time. And that's really what's very important when you're selling. It's Listen, all this stuff, it all relates to money. It all relates to selling. It all relates to profit. Uh, sales, profits, and people, they, they all relate to each other. They're all kind of connected together. So if you don't, if you don't help people to understand things and you don't give them a framework, they're going to struggle. And that's just the bottom line is that you really have to help people understand what you're about because you're the beneficiary of the success. So when they're successful, you're successful too. I'm afraid that I probably went a little off direction. We were mostly on money, but I love that point that you always make about specific to the general. So we're going to wrap up because I, I'd like to keep these things to where it's got good usable information, uh, money. What's the, what's the lesson you've learned that you think is the easiest one for our listeners to learn that somehow they have it when it comes to money? Because is it about saving? Is it about investing? Is it about uh, stop, stop dropping dollars to pick up dimes? What's the one thing that's the easiest to learn once they get out of their own little way? I'll tell you what it is. It's, every one of those things is really important. But if you really want to be on the inside track, what you have to recognize is that when it comes to money, everything's rigged. Everything is rigged when it comes, and that's just the truth. Uh, when you go to Las Vegas, you know that when you sit down at a card table or you sit down at a craps table or you know, wherever you go, you know that the house is probably going to win. And so you don't think of that as being rigged. You just think of that as the house advantage. We don't even call it rigged. We just call it the house advantage. We expect it. But in the rest of your life, you don't really know how things work. You don't really know. Uh, what the business rules are that make things happen. So for example, how do banks clear checks? How do insurance companies write policies? How do, uh, how do cruise lines issue refunds? How do airlines issue refunds? They write the rules for their business that they want the customers to follow. So they rig the rules in their favor. And the one thing I would tell business owners, you must rig the rules in your favor and you must write business rules that are reasonable and fair for your customers that are going to be advantageous to you. So that might mean when you take your deposit, that might mean how you charge, how you get paid, how you collect. You have to have business rules that are reasonable because everything in the world is rigged and you need to rig things in your favor or you're going right down the drain. All right, we started off by telling people how it works. We told them they had to be street fighters. You said that the biggest shortcoming of business owners, business wannabe owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, is they just don't understand the money. Then we went through all the different things about money. You told them to be a street fighter. And then you said, and I love it, understand that when it comes to money, everything's rigged. When it comes to business, always rig things in your favor. You've been talking to me, Damian Mason, your host on the Do Business Better podcast, and my friend Joel Block, Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business. That's his book. You can find it at bullseyecapital.com. Thanks for joining. Joel, thanks for being on here. Take care, Damian. All right. Till next time. <music>